This episode today is part two of a parent coaching session that I am bringing to you with a wonderful mom named Caitlin. Episode number 94 was part one, where you got to hear us talk through some challenges that Caitlin is facing, and I helped her identify the root causes likely driving these challenges. We talked through how Caitlin was feeling triggered by the actions of her oldest child, who was lashing out in frustration and jealousy towards his siblings. We were talking through the way in which the siblings were interacting, the sibling rivalry that was existing there, and we also talked about the dynamics at play within the family unit and the roles that people were assuming, some of which were contributing to the overall problems that Caitlin and her family are experiencing. So part one was all about uncovering what was driving the challenges And now part two today is where you're going to hear me offer some suggested solutions and strategies that Caitlin can use to address the root causes we identified together. I am so glad that you're here to listen to part two of my coaching session with Caitlin and learn from the strategies I suggest from my 3D parent approach, which you can put to work within your own family for similar challenges that you may be experiencing. This is Certified Parent Coach Bevan Walters, and this is a 3D Parent Podcast. Let's dive into some solutions. You ready? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Part of diving in the solutions really is about what we just did. First, just making sense of the work to be done. And sometimes we're, we're a little bit lost and we're a little bit struggling with what to do because we just haven't really been identified where the problems are. And you just did such an awesome job of doing just that. Okay. So first let's talk about the conflict resolution. What do you do in those moments? Because that seems to be one of the big things, that sense of panic. I don't know what to do. So in the moment, there's some type of altercation between any of your kids, or perhaps even does seem to be more one-sided where maybe just your oldest is just verbally attacking a sibling because he's walking around with some frustration for whatever reason, and is just taking it out on a sibling. Sometimes you have the tendency to do that kind of like the triangle we talked about. But a lot of Mm -hmm. times we try in those moments to control our kids, their behaviors. Sometimes we try to dive in right there and try and like make sense of what's going on, why people are frustrated and make some progress or kind of like problem solve in that moment. And sometimes we listen to sides and we become judge and jury. All those things are not going to really serve you very well. Instead, we want to think of this in terms of like incident management. In fact, the strategy I recommend in a moment where there is heightened emotion is what I call the three do's of incident management. It is super simplified and you don't actually have to do very much. That's my whole thing is about how do we simplify this? All of those things that you might have had an instinct to do, to problem solve, to figure out what's going on, those are not bad instincts. It's more a matter of the fact that the timing with which we are trying to do those things is off. So in the moment, the three do's of incident management, the do number one, do no harm. And that's the one that's really for you, the parent. A lot of times we go into a reactive mode. And when we go into a reactive mode, we do harm to our relationship with our child or children. We say harsh things. We go into one of these dynamics like we were just talking about where we've like cast somebody in the role, the victimizer, and someone's a victim. We do things that can cause harm to our relationships with our child or say things that can be harmful and wounding to them. We don't want to do that, of course. 
So do number one, do no harm. And so you need to ground yourself. And I know it sounds like, oh yeah, take a breath, pause, blah, blah, blah. It's important at least to get yourself, okay, I'm going to do no harm. And so Mm -hmm. I oftentimes suggest that parents kind of choose that one phrase that can ground them real quick that they say internally, do no harm is a great one, or it might be, Mm. this is not an emergency or it just that reset. So you remind yourself, okay. And you get that sense that, oh my gosh, I'm feeling myself. My energies are going up and you recognize that. So you pause for, and this is not a long pause because I know if there's a real thing going on, you got to act quickly. So we're talking about a real quick breath, do no harm. And then step two, do take charge. But what do we take charge of? A lot of times we try to immediately go into taking charge of our kids and their behaviors. Don't talk like that. Don't say those mean things. Don't throw things. Don't act like that. Don't talk back. We go right after the kids' behaviors. The reality is we can't really control that. It's like the ball's in our kids' court. So we, mm. uh, we're trying to go after, and when it, we get the sense and the reality hits that, gosh, we actually can't actually control my child's behavior, we escalate, we get more frustrated, and then we start going into threats, and we start going into removal of screen time. It has nothing to do with the thing that's going on right now, but we do it out of desperation. We're trying to find something that will control the child because we clearly are not doing it. So instead, you're going to take charge of what you can in the moment, which are the circumstances surrounding the situation. The number one go-to when it comes to sibling conflict is separation of the kids Mm -hmm. in question. So getting them separated from each other. And this is not done in a way that feels like a timeout or punitive. It is truly a very neutral approach. I encourage the use of the words, this isn't working right now. No one's being judged. No one's being blamed. No one's at fault. The reality is you may have walked into a situation that was already playing out for a few minutes and you didn't really see what led to a kid getting into that mode. So you don't really know what is happening. And again, this is not the time to figure it out. So right Mm. now we're going to take charge of what we can't. Hey, looks like this isn't working to be together right now. So everybody's going to find their own space in here. Why don't you stay here? And then here, let me find you something to do over here. You're just trying to get them away from each other. You're taking charge. Being together right now is not going to be an option. So we're going to find our own space to be. No one's in trouble, but just being together right now is not going to work. So that is the key thing. We're just trying to find space between them. It may seem like one kid is super, super at fault. It's, we got to change our thinking about that. One child is really struggling and the other child Mm -hmm. is in the path of destruction. And I got to get that kid away from it. And I got to get this kid away from acting not in line with their character because they're exploding. This is not who that child is. It's how they're reacting because they're stirred up for some reason. And we don't know what the reason is yet. And we don't need to know yet. We just need to separate and take charge of what we can. So again, we're not going to be judge and jury. We're not going to try to make headway. We're not going to be investigating the circumstances. We are just taking charge and moving locations. If it's fighting over a toy, a Lego, a ball. Oh, looks like it's not working right now to play with that. I'm going to put that away for right now. We'll try again later. I didn't even stop to listen to figure out who was doing what. I can just tell being together, playing with that, it's not working. We're putting it away. So it's just taking charge Mm -hmm. of what you can. So location, separating, if there's an altercation over something, it might be removing that thing is part of what what you're going to take charge of. It's something 
that is not your child's behavior that you're going to take charge of. And in that moment, you may have a child that's really expressing a lot of emotion. So you're going to say, hey, I'm interested in listening to you, but in private. And so I really want to hear why you're so upset, what's going on, but we're going to do that in your room or my room or downstairs or meet me in the car, whatever it is. I really want to hear what Mm -hmm. you have to say, but we're going to do it in private. What you're doing there is you're preserving dignity. You are in fact, protecting other people that might hear, I hate my brother. He's so stupid. He's, you know, which that child may need to express that, but it's not going to be in the presence of the one that is right now stirring up his feelings and emotions. So he's not having to listen to that, but your child is going to have some space to be able to express whatever's going on for him. So you can say, yeah, I'm totally willing to hear you, but we're going to do that in private. We're going to do that over here, whatever. And then the my third- My kids would actually love that. <laughs> oh, my kids would actually love that. Like mm-hmm. I love the neutral behavior language that you're yeah. providing. And mm-hmm. then they would they would love to bend my ear in private. I've, sure. I've not in the past been able to entice them to be apart from each other because they seem to just be like magnets. Mm. But okay, interesting. Yeah, because they're, you know, they're getting something out of attacking each other. Yeah. It is an opportunity for them to release a whole big flood of emotion. But it's not in a productive way, right? And so we need to separate and and build in that separation and let the kids know that like, it should not feel punitive. Like I said, it should be like, hey, we need to separate. This isn't working. I'm interested in what both of you have to say, but we're going to have to do that in private. And then you have to kind of gauge based on your kids, based on their temperaments, based on how things are playing out, like Mm -hmm. who maybe is the house on fire that maybe you need to go to first. But also if you spend so long with one, the other one's sitting there feeling so like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I can go check in on the other one and I'll be back in a a few minutes, but I need you to stay in here. And so you're just letting them know you're not going away. You're not abandoning them, but you need to be able to hear what's going on to try and navigate. When you're listening, if this does happen at this juncture, when you're Mm -hmm. listening, you're just allowing them to vent their feelings and frustrations and you're validating. Validating does not mean agreeing validating just means I hear you're really angry and frustrated. I hear sometimes it's really hard to have a little brother. I hear Mm. it's really hard to feel like everybody is getting more attention than you are. You're just validating and saying, I hear you. You're not debating. You're not offering other perspectives. You're just listening and saying, you get to feel that way. I understand you feel that way. It's okay to feel that way. We're not going into any judgment about how they're going back to express themselves because that's not what we're doing now. Remember, we're not trying to make progress. We're not trying to reason. That's mm-hmm. not possible right now. We're just allowing separating and allowing opportunities to express themselves. The third do of the do's of incident management is do circle back later. So sometimes mm-hmm. parents feel like, well, I don't want my kid to get away with that kind of behavior. I want to be able to address the problematic behavior. My kid was saying terrible things to their sibling. I need to be able to say that's not okay or whatever. So just know that you do get to address all these things. There's there's time to circle back and address these problems. The issue though is we're usually trying to do it when emotions and frustration are still elevated. And that's not when we're going to be able to make any progress. So if they're having a need to vent frustration, that's fine. That could be part of what's happening when you're kind of like directing traffic and having people go to their own spaces. But again, Mm -hmm. we're just listening and validating feelings. We're not making any progress. 
then we circle back later. Any questions about this before I talk about what does that sound like when we actually do address the issues? No, that's really clear. Yeah, I'll just be listening back to this recording to get those yep. exact words Absolutely. that you said they were like spot on. So, Absolutely. It's yeah. like kind of needing sometimes a script to follow and have yeah. those words. Uh, when I work with clients, a lot of times they find themselves saying, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working all day long, <laughs> but it's helpful yeah. until maybe you add some variety to the way you're expressing it. It's neutral. No one's being blamed. No one's in trouble. It's neutral. Like it's, this isn't mm -hmm. working, not you can't do that, you right. know, which is a big right. reframe. Or you can't act that way or you're being mean. Nope. It's a, oh, it's yeah. looking like it's not working to be together right now. I see a lot of people really frustrated. So we're going to separate right now. I'd love to figure out what's going on for you, but in private. And then again, yeah. we're not actually going to be problem solving. We're just going to be listening, letting all that yeah. emotion be expressed. You mentioned that part of what has been identified for your oldest is the sense of sadness. Sadness, as I'm sure you're aware, is underlying all that anger, all that rage, all that frustration. So in the process of him getting that all out, he might get to his sadness. He might be able to mm -hmm. get to those underlying feelings. Like you said, he's really attuned to understanding feelings and emotions, not as um, comfortable expressing them and getting to that mm -hmm. place probably because he's this more sensitive nature guy and he's pretty good at stuffing those emotions. But this is what happens when you don't get to those underlying feelings as they tend to have to explode. They can't be stuffed forever. So it could be really, really helpful for him to have that private place to be able to let it all out. And mm. I know it's hard when we hear kids say, I hate my brother. I, I just wish my brother was not even born. I wish he wasn't here. Those stir up some feelings in us, but they're valid feelings. And so what's being said is like, it's hard. It's hard to be a big brother. It's hard to have younger siblings. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And so he gets to have those feelings and it doesn't have to be talked out of his feelings. The caring feelings towards his siblings will return once he gets a chance to express his frustration. So don't be afraid of those words and don't try and talk him out of those words. Validate. God, it sounds like it's really hard for you to have a little brother sometimes when validate that. So mm. when you're going to actually have this time to go back and circle back later, you're going to navigate a conversation with the kids that, because we're talking about sibling conflict, it's going to be focused on repair. And it's going to be focused on seeing if you can help navigate or come alongside your child and them feeling a very vulnerable feeling, which is a sense of remorse. Sometimes mm. we go in real quick. You should say you're sorry. You need to go apologize, make things wrong. And we jump the gun and we don't actually give space for a child to actually feel that um, themselves. So yeah. with younger kids, your older one maybe might think this is a little bit cheesy language, but certainly you're younger too. I literally say to my kids after kind of things have calmed down and said a little bit, say like, gosh, I heard what you said earlier and I know what happened. I bet you're feeling a sorry inside about some of the things you did or said. Mm -hmm. For your older one, he might think that's like baby talk. So you might say like, I know that's not who you are. You don't mean to be like hurtful towards your brother. You were super frustrated. I know you care about his feelings. And I bet now you're kind of thinking about it and feeling like, hmm, I might have said some things that were a little harsh or mean. So find the way to kind of approach that. But the key yeah. is not to think that, okay, when we're doing these conversations later, when everybody has calmed down, my job is to teach a lesson. Your kids are all, including your little one, they all know hands are not for hitting. 
They all know it's not okay to say mean things to each other. They all know it's not okay to put down people. It's not a matter of not understanding. It's a matter of not being able to resist the impulse to react in those moments of super heightened Mm. emotion. So save yourself time, energy, (laughs) teaching a lesson, buying another book about being nice to one another and kind words, not necessary. They already know. So it's more a matter of kind of validating that. I know, you know, it's not okay too. I know you're a kind person and you don't intend to hurt. You get really frustrated sometimes. It's totally understandable, but I also know you don't mean to hurt people. So I bet inside somewhere you're feeling a little bit bad about it. See if you can tap in that sense of remorse. That is where you have power to be able to help your kids navigate a repair. So sometimes like, nope, don't feel sorry at all. Actually meant every word of it. Okay. (laughs) I I understand. I'll check back with you about that later. Buy yourself some Mm. more time. It's when my kids were little and I'd say like, do you have a sorry inside? Nope. Okay. I'll check back about that later. But here's the thing. Mm. Eventually they're drawn to each other. Eventually they want to interact again. Eventually they want to play. And remember you just said, oh, it's not working to be together right now. So enough time's gone by. Everybody's calmed down a little bit and they want to get together. Oh, hold on real quick. Some stuff just happened that was, I know, not didn't feel good to a lot of different people here. So we need to have an opportunity to do a check-in with each other before we can see if being together right now is going to work. So if you've already had a conversation with them individually about checking to see if there's in that remorse, you can right then go and, okay, let's go over and go check in with brother and go see how he's feeling. And then you're going to actually kind of help them do this repair Again, if they come to, if you're talking to them and they do show that like, yeah, I felt kind of bad, great. They felt their remorse. The next thing is like, what do you think you could do to make things right? And then whatever they come up with needs to be okay. It may not look like the traditional, I'm sorry, I did this thing. It might look like, well, you know, we were fighting over this toy. I guess I could give him my toy and say he could play with it right now. Or like, well, maybe I I got some candy at this class party at school. I'll go give him my piece of candy. Those are all apologies. Those are all repairs. So what is coming naturally up for your child in terms of how they want to make things right? You go with that because that is authentic and that is actually going to help heal some friction, some wounds. If they're wanting to come together and they have not admitted there's a sorry inside yet, that's the time to say like, oh, wait a minute. I think we need to check in with each other first if we're going to actually um, be together in the same space again because it wasn't working earlier. And then you kind of kind of help even feed the words to the kids of what a check-in looks like. And it's just for one of them to say like, hey, are are you okay? And then it gives a chance for that other child to express what wasn't working for them and for the other child to respond to it in the way they want to. They may feel compelled to give an apology. They may say, oh, you know, can I give you a piece of candy? Or can I give you that toy to play with that we were fighting about earlier? So it might be like their opportunity to kind of make their repair. And then it goes the other direction. and. Even if it seems like maybe it was the old one attacking the younger one, still give the younger one an opportunity to ask it the other direction. Are you okay? Mm. And he might say, well, it really bugs me every time that you copy me. You copy me a lot. He might bring up something that wasn't about that moment, but it's something Mm. that's fueling his frustration towards his brother. So it gives him an opportunity to share something that's bugging him too. And it might be about that actual moment or it might be something else. So it gives him a chance to express what's not working for him in the relationship. And then the younger one says, is there anything I can do? 
Or can I give you this or whatever that repair might be? Okay, I'll try not to do that in the future or whatever. I mean, making a promise or something like that. And you're kind of coaching them and giving the words to do this. Mm-hmm. You're not the one that's being judge and jury. You're not the one that is like telling them how they're going to fix it. You're helping just be the moderator, being the person that's kind of helping make this happen. And once they've gone through this process, then we can be together again. That's how that all plays out. Any questions about that process? I love that idea. I'm like a little, I I mean, it brings above board, I think, so much that we're doing Mm non-verbally. I have a slight concern, like, are you okay? Might escalate, like, at first when we try it, would the older just use that as an opportunity to say, oh, you know, my brother's so annoying. He's stupid. I don't want him here. I fear that he would at first be like, nope, there's no sorry there. I I feel like he's often still angry, but then yeah, they kind of start playing together again. I mean, they do forgive each other, but it's never done above board like that or verbally. And right. Um, so it might take, a, it might take a little time, especially if this is yeah. a newer thing. And I find that when you have kids that are a bit more resistant to it, waiting until they are naturally wanted to come together and like everybody uh, has calmed down, that's a great place to do it versus yeah. kind of when they've still been separated and you've kind of tapped into some remorse or whatever, mm-hmm. that when it seems like they're wanting to be together, oh wait, hold up. We need to do a check-in yeah. first because there were some feelings. So they're already feeling drawn towards each other. That frustration is down. Timing is key. If there is yeah. still a lot of frustration feeling there, it's not the time. It's got to be once that has really kind of like gone away. And so you might be buying yourself some time. It might actually even not be that same day. It might be, we're going to let it go for right now, but we're going to revisit later. Um, With the older one, the one you're worried might like unleash a fury of things. Again, if he's not in a mode of frustration in that moment, his frustration level has gone down and you're kind of tapping into some frustrations that he has about his brother, you can go ahead and like, okay, let's go check on your brother. I think it'd be important for you to share and maybe help him identify the thing that he will share so that mm-hmm. you kind of almost rehearsed it ahead of time. You kind of already identified, you know, I think I get it. I get why you're really frustrated about your younger brother when he does these things. I think it's important to share that that's not working for him. Let's figure out the best way to do that. And I'll help remind you if you forget. So you can kind yeah. of like, maybe to some degree, kind of like help package the delivery mm-hmm. when they're still yeah. learning how to do this. And this is so good though. I mean, honestly, my husband and I need to do this after some of our discussions. Yes. <laughs> it's a full family. Check I think in. Are we I've, okay? been, I'm cal- I've been like, kind of like addressing this in terms of sibling relationships, but the same thing yeah. goes. If, if there's something that's happened between you and one of your children, it's not a sibling yeah. thing. Same thing. You navigate these like conversations in a similar way. Mm-hmm. Talking about this yeah. thing that happened um, between you and your child, making amends, repairs, problem solving together, you modeling how to do a wonderful, authentic apology and repair, taking responsibility for the stuff that you did wrong because we're human and we're going to have plenty of things to apologize to our kids for because that's just our life. And But we're modeling it for them and it will start to become a framework of how they navigate conflicts in relationships lifelong. Attention struggling parents. Are you feeling at your wit's end with your kids, unsure of every parenting decision you make? Are you desperate for guidance and support to navigate the turbulent waters of raising your children? It's time to break free from your parenting overwhelm. Introducing the lifeline you've been searching for, 3D Parent Coaching. As a certified parent coach and empathetic ally, I understand the frustration and desperation you're experiencing. 
That's why I'm here with a comprehensive solution to meet your current needs. Here's what's included in the 3D Parent Coaching Package. First, you get seven one-on-one coaching sessions filled with insights and strategies from the 3D Parent Approach based on the latest research in developmental psychology, attachment theory, and neuroscience. Second, you get a personalized parenting reference book. No more time wasted reading dozens of parenting books, strolling social media searching for answers from content creators, or trying to navigate confusing and often conflicting parenting advice. Your personalized parenting reference book is tailored to your family's unique needs, providing a roadmap to sanity and success. And if that wasn't already enough, you also get coaching support between sessions. You heard me right. The coaching package includes access to on-call, one-on-one parent support between coaching sessions via an easy-to-use app. Don't let desperation define your parenting journey any longer. To find out if working together in a parent-coach partnership is a good mutual fit, book a complimentary parent-coaching consultation today by clicking the link in the show notes. Together, we'll simplify parenting and lead you towards a future of confident and connected parenting. I'm looking forward to meeting you soon. Okay, let's move on to talk about cultivating some sibling bonding. So just knowing that there's kind of just this ongoing kind of like sense of kind of like discord between the siblings. We're going to get to like you and your time and attention after this. So this is just kind of like bridging off a little bit of that, like navigating conflict. And at times there's not conflict. How do we continue to help the kids build healthy bonds between each other and not feed into some of the common like landmines (laughs) that come up between Mm -hmm. siblings? One of them is to find opportunities to, I'm borrowing from the work of Dr. Gordon Neufeld. He uses his term matchmake between siblings. So if you think about like matchmaking, we're usually thinking about romantic relationships. But if you think about the role of a matchmaker, they're to kind of bring people together and to try and highlight for each other the attributes of the other person that they might find attractive and worth pursuing a relationship with. And what the other thing that the matchmaker does is they kind of report back to each person and like, okay, so I heard that so-and-so really loves how you are so creative and come up with all these great project ideas. Well, it's the same concept that you're doing with your kids. You're seeking opportunities to kind of highlight moments when maybe the younger brother, you could tell how much he like thinks it's so cool. His big brother is so good in soccer. So you would go to the big brother sometime in private and be like, you know what? The other day, your little brother said, oh my gosh, I hope I could be as good as soccer as my big brother one day. He looks up to you so much. You're just like dropping a little sweet little nothing in his ear. Mm. Similarly, let's say the little brother or the little sister does something super cute and funny and adorable, mispronounces a word. You kind of do a little wink to the big brother and you're like, isn't that cute? Kind of like a wink, wink, nudge. Did you notice that? You're just trying to kind of keep on cultivating these really sweet, good, caring feelings between the kids. The Mm. other thing that can be really, really helpful, and this somewhat also addresses the sense of fairness, being like, that's not fair, is to not lump your kids together in the same category all the time, meaning not trying to make things like even all the time. I know we talked about this earlier before we started recording our session, but this idea of like, Oh, fair means even and the same. We all kind of like Mm -hmm. acknowledge that like, no, we have to break that from our kids' mindset. Yet we kind of tend to do that a lot because we're trying to avoid the conflict without realizing that it actually 
makes it more probable because we're almost playing into this idea of even equals fair. So what mm-hmm. I encourage families that have multiple kids to do is actually to identify some differences in terms of both privileges as well as responsibilities and play into the natural hierarchy that already exists within your family. You've got the parents here at the top of the hierarchy chain, and then you have these three children in in their natural birth order. So depending Mm -hmm. upon their age, the older one has maybe a few more responsibilities, chores, helping out around the house is a great way to address that than the younger ones. Mm -hmm. And at this age, you help out in these ways and also some more privileges. Maybe they get to stay up a little bit later for bedtime. Maybe they get to have certain access to certain things at a certain age before the younger ones. Maybe if you have allowance in your household, they're paid based on their age. Not everybody gets $5 a week. You get paid based on your age. And with that comes increased expectations in terms of responsibility, but also you get rewarded more for it in terms of privileges. So it can be something like chores and allowance. It can be things like later bedtimes. It can be, I mean, when your kids get older, like at what age a kid gets use of a phone, you know, that's not going to be okay. Now everybody gets a phone. Of course not. Right. It has to do with age and stage. So thinking about the way in which your family operates, how can we look at their age and create a bit more difference in terms of what they get to do and what they have to do as part of your family dynamic? can be a helpful way to get rid of some of that tension around fairness and also Mm -hmm. can be helpful in terms of helping kids grow in their responsibilities and their skills. In our household, at a certain age, you start folding your own clothes. At a certain age, you start folding and putting away your your own clothes. At another age, you do all your laundry completely. And that is something that happens at a certain Mm -hmm. stage in my household. That's just one example. The other kids don't do that just once you get to that certain age and stage. So it's kind of like, oh my gosh, it's a lot of responsibility. I get it. But you also at this age get to do these things that you didn't get to do because you're at this age and stage. So thinking about that can be helpful in dealing with that somewhat. And I think the other piece of this in terms of the family hierarchy is trying to nurture the sense of caretaking towards younger siblings. So I talked about the matchmaking Mm -hmm. concept. Similarly, think about ways in which maybe like you're older too, where are some things that your older child can do or is good at or more of the expert in that the young, the middle one would feel more like, like, oh, I really want to like learn or look up to or learn this thing that the older one would feel like, oh, I'm going to teach this thing. It could be a game. It could be, you know, how to build certain things where he could kind of go into this more natural like leadership role, teacher role, and mentor role towards the younger siblings and all the way down to the youngest. How can we continue to nurture that sense of caretaking, not in a way that is like taking advantage of a child and making them be like taking care of their siblings, but more just this natural instinct to teach, to model, to take care of the younger siblings. It also can help sometimes in writing some of these tensions within families with multiple kids. Any questions or feedback on any of those different things I just highlighted there? No, I think that's actually really good advice. So we have, I've got the two boys that are just two years apart and we really have like lumped them in together, but I can feel that my oldest is craving that sort of little more responsibility, a little more privilege. Unfortunately, they share a room and have the same bedtime. So I will rack my brain to think kind of what we could do, but I think that's spot on. And I Mm -hmm. think I think that would really help. Yeah. 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 
I think creating again, like some separation. So maybe they, they share a room, you said, so maybe, yeah. you know, the older one does get to stay up a little bit later, but maybe it's reading outside on the couch with mm-hmm. one of you and the other one gets to put to bed a little bit earlier or something like that. Thinking how you yeah. can creatively navigate something like that. Okay. Yeah. Now getting to kind of like the big final, like, oh my gosh, how do I meet all these kids' needs? How do I make them feel they're getting enough connection? The first thing I want to do is help reframe this idea of needs more attention, equating needing more time necessarily, needing more, Mm. another thing on the calendar. And I think the first easy kind of mindset reframe would be to not think of it in terms of attention seeking, but connection seeking. It's not attention and time necessarily that can be a part of it. And that can be something that you work out and structure into your family, but it's more about connection. It's more about the need to feel a sense of connection. We don't want our kids to be operating in a mode of having to always work for that sense of connection. We're talking about attachment here. Kids, frankly, should be in a mode of rest. They rest in the sense of ongoing connection. They don't have to work for it. They can just go about their lives playing, reading, doing cool Mm. crafts. It's not working for my piece of the pie, working for my piece of the pie, the piece of the pie being the sense of connection. So when you reframe it that way, it might feel a little bit like ambiguous, but let me kind of help highlight. Yes, it can be really helpful to have structured one-on-one time. And yes, the like, you know, 10 to 15 minutes per child once a day math does pan out. And that can be a part of your like, here's the structured time that you get one-on-one time. That can be helpful. Mm -hmm. It is helpful to have that. It does kind of put a child at a state of like, I know I'm going to get mine. It's guaranteed. It's on the calendar. I get mine every night at this time. Or if we're just talking about maybe like the two oldest boys, that maybe Mm -hmm. it alternates. Maybe it's one-on-one time with dad for this child this night, one-on-one time with mom for this child on that night, alternate between the two. So one child is with like your middle son, your middle son is with your husband getting one-on-one time for 15 minutes on Monday while you're getting 15 minutes with your oldest. And then it flip-flops. That's one way you can work that in. There is something to be said about having that structured guaranteed time that you have, even though it says 10, 15 minutes and you're together with your child all the time. What is it about that time? It's the fact that it's guaranteed and it is, it is just you and that child. But then to answer your question about, okay, but what do we do? I don't really want to feel like doing make-believe, right? And that is where you need to think a little proactively, a little ahead of time. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to be sending you a resource, which is a month's worth of one-on-one time activities already plotted on a calendar and then a blank one so that you can figure out what these things might be. And this could be what your activity is one night with your child Mm -hmm. is let's like figure out what we're going to do. And you get to decide what activities are fair game. So if play make believe stuff is not something you want to do, it's not fair game. So you figure out the things that you do enjoy doing with your child during that time that could be plotted out already, or it might just be, here's the list of activities and we'll just choose from it. And we maybe don't need to plot it on a calendar. It could be whatever works for you, but I'm going to provide you with some ideas and things that are outside of the world of just random play make-believe for 15 minutes, gritting my teeth. So you can kind of already Mm -hmm. have some ideas in mind. So that can be really helpful. But beyond that, talking about what is really like going on here is the kids needing to feel a sense of significance. This kids need needing to feel a sense of connection that is not time-bound. And that really can happen in your day-to-day interactions, just doing your normal everyday stuff. We tend to somewhat compartmentalize like, 
I got to do the dishes. I got to do the dinner. I got to do the grocery shopping. I got to do the laundry. I got like all the stuff that we have to get done. And kind of almost think of that as just like the stuff that has to get done. And yeah, maybe your kids are helping out doing some chores or whatever as well. But like usually, come on, let's be real. Not a lot of that. It really falls down to the parents, right? And as a stay-at-home mom, you probably take a large portion of that. Start thinking about just your day-to-day interactions as being opportunities to invite your kids into connection with you. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, I can't play with you right now, but I got to do dishes, but I'd, I'd love for your company in the kitchen. Why don't you come join me? You can help me out if you want. Let's do it together. I mean, your little one will eat this up, right? Suds, yeah. water, play. Awesome. You know, <laughs> that's connection time. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, you got to clean up your room. I've got a little bit of time right now. Let's go do it together. That's connection yeah. time. That is like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, I know you got to do your, your daily reading for, for your teacher. How about if we do that together at the end of the day? And that could be connection time. It also mm-hmm. comes down to Caitlin, the minutia. I oftentimes talk about this sense of just turning towards your child when they come into your presence with delight and twinkle in your eye. That just says to your yeah. kid, I'm so glad you're here. Come here, give me a big hug. I was just thinking about you. It's those types of little mini ways in which you can send this ongoing sense of connection. You're on my mind. I'm thinking about you. I'm delighted to be around you. That is what all this cup filling is really about. It's actually not really about more time and like attention the way we think about it as being this like segmented thing. It's about the ongoing relationship that is just infused with a sense of connection. When you have a kid like your oldest, who's always kind of just been running on empty, right? (laughs) Can't get enough, can't get enough, can't get enough. I think probably the most powerful thing to think about is to trump the needs. Again, I'm borrowing from Dr. Gordon Newfield. That's his language, but I love it. Trump the needs. You're trying to get ahead of his sense of like deficit. So you're trying Mm. to seek before being sought. So if it's that rare moment, he's out of your line of view. You go to him first before he comes to find you. You're like, hey, I was thinking about you. What are you up to? You go to him first. What happens is he hasn't had to feel that sense of, I feel a lack of connection. I need to get some, or I just overheard mom playing with my brother. Therefore, I need to go in and insert myself. You got there first. You filled up that sense of connection before he had a chance to feel it depleted. He got ahead of it. He doesn't have to be in this mode of working for it because you already filled it before he got there. I know when you have this kind of like intense pursuing child, I have a couple of them in my own household, my real sensitive ones, and it feels like it's never enough. It's never enough. It's never enough. And when I have myself like followed my own knowing what to do and I've kind of sat with like, oh my gosh, I feel so overwhelmed. I got these four kids. Everybody needs so much. And I know this is particular child that actually needs more than what I'm giving. And I have to sit mm. there in my feels for a minute or two and feel kind of like, this is overwhelming. <laughs> this is hard. I'm only with one person. This, you know, that's okay. You got to feel that way. That is justified. It is overwhelming. But that is the step before I find my resilience and my ability to be like, yeah. I can do this. I know what this kid needs. And it's not less of me. It's more of me. And it's more of me in the way that feels less overwhelming. Because it's literally just mm-hmm. check-ins before he comes find you. It's really yeah. just seeking him out and saying like, hey, I got to go to the grocery store. Want to come with? It's finding those opportunities to give an invitation before he's asking for more. And that can be just things that you think about on a daily basis before the next time you're going to come into interaction with any of your kids. And then you want to kind of just take a look at, you know, of course, if it's all the focus on one kid, the other ones are going to be wanting more. But this, again, like I said, starts to become just kind of like 
how do I infuse any of my interaction with my kids with a sense of connection that is not time bound? You get my attention one on one, you get my attention one on one. That might happen once a day or every other day for 15 minutes that they have this guaranteed time slot. But beyond yeah. that, it can happen just in your daily interactions. Thoughts on oh, all yeah. of that? And that's- that well, that's huge. And I can do that. You know, that does not overwhelm me. That I'm thinking, yeah, I pursue him. And I love that because it gives me something actionable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that could really work really quickly, actually. Like it does. Be it like, does. Mom, I got this. Like he'll be like, I don't no, I don't need to because he's not a totally attention hungry kid all the time or anything. I think we're just stuck in this rut where He's feeling like he has to pursue me. And I love that. Yeah, I light up when they come in the room and verbalize. I was just thinking about you. I was just doing this or thinking about that because they're my world. But I don't necessarily want to sit down and play Lego with them. I love this idea, though, like just the check-in, the showing, the verbalizing what I'm feeling, honestly, all the time. And there can be a little bit of a degree of exaggeration. And maybe a little bit of a degree of embellishment when you're doing this, because it's like being really intentional because we are, our attention is all over the place and we do have so much Mm -hmm. on our plate. So sometimes it might feel like making a bit more of basically the feelings will follow the actions is basically what I'm getting at, where it might feel like I really got to get this email out right now. And like, I don't want to be interrupted Mm -hmm. and like kind of building into like, no, I'm going to be immediately I can get back to that email in a second. If I just turn to my child and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. I can't wait till I'm done with this email because I'm coming to you. I was just thinking about you. Those things that just continue to build a sense of connection and really it's security and it is a sense of significance. You can also just think about when your kids, maybe one of your kids that you're feeling a little bit more of that sense of disconnect with. And it's like, hey, I thought of you. I made your favorite dinner. You know, it's like those, mm-hmm. those little things that, Hey, I was out and I saw that your favorite type of apple was in the store. And I made sure to get, you're pointing out and draw attention to all the times in which you're thinking of your child, but you're verbalizing it and bringing it to their consciousness. That's going to continue to build in more of a sense of, of connection. So it doesn't feel like it's another thing to do when it's just part right. of re kind of working what you're already doing with this extra thought about how do I continue to give this sense of invitation to my kids to be in relationship, to be connected, to join me in doing the stuff I have to do. And not necessarily, I've dropped everything to build in more time to build Legos and play make-believe. Those 10, 15 minutes a day really do pay off. The rest of the time is yeah. yeah. And then the family time, the togetherness, we are all together because yeah, I'm with you. I love that family time. And that's important too, but that's different than the individual nurturing of each relationship with each of your children, um, because Mm -hmm. both are important, the whole family unit, and also continue to nurture the bond connection attachment with each of your children. And I do this, I instinctually did this when they were toddlers, because I'm sure you remember when your kids were toddlers, you try to pull away and they are like, all over you, right? And so they just come even more. So then I used to call it like kill them with kindness, like go overboard and they'll calm down so quickly. But I kind of forgot that my eight-year-old still needs that. He needs it verbally and in a different way, Mm -hmm. but he's still craving that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think kind of like my big takeaway kind of to, to summarize in terms of this piece 
is just remember that all behavior is communication. And what the behavior is communicating in these cases is a a child who's working for more of a sense of connection. And Mm -hmm. to keep that in mind, that's what's needed. And then we all know that's our job. It's our job to keep our children feeling connected to us. It's not their job to work to stay connected to us. So whenever you're getting that Mm -hmm. sense from one of your kids, it's like, oh yeah, I remember what this is. And I know now what my marching orders are. It's, yeah, it's always going to be hard work, right? It's always going to take a lot of energy. There's nothing about parenting that is easy, plug and play, nothing. But when you're like, I know what my kids' underlying needs are and the need for connection is above all others, even food and water. And we know that scientifically proven through experiments, thankfully not on children, but on our close relatives, the primates, that like the need for connection is the greatest human need. So it is a valid connection. It is a valid need that is not just like, oh, my annoying kid that just wants more of my time. And I'm not saying that that's how the way you're thinking about it is, but just in terms of us as parents feeling spread so thin, just kind of thinking a little differently about what actually is required of us. It yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be another thing on the calendar yeah. that helps. Like I said, Caitlin, I'm going to send you and I will link in my show notes, a link to this little calendar to kind of plot out your one-on-one time. I have one that is for younger kids and I have one that is for tweens to teens. So you can even build in special time with your teenagers and do cool things with them too, that they just, they love. And it doesn't have to be a ton of time, but having that scheduled is a part of helping them feel like I don't have to work for it because I know I'm going to get it. Having it scheduled Mm -hmm. is helpful. I hope that the strategies that I've worked through on this past episode have been helpful for you, Caitlin, and also those of you who've listened in to this episode. Thank you so much for joining, Caitlin, and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope our conversation has inspired your journey towards building deeper connections with your children and strengthened your resolve to match your parenting intentions with your words and actions. If today's insights resonated with you, the greatest thank you I could receive would be for you to subscribe, rate, leave a review, and share my podcast with others. And for those of you seeking more support with your parenting, consider joining the 3D Parent Village, a nurturing membership community designed for families raising complex kids like yours. Inside the village, connect with like-minded parents, find relief from isolation and overwhelm, and gain access to educational resources, group coaching, and personalized support, all rooted in the transformative 3D Parent approach. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Never was that sentiment more true than when parenting a complex child. So come join us at the 3D Parent Village. We've saved a spot for you.